Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. The second one 
was also good for information, but its real focus was it was run by Steve Cohen, who worked for WFAN in New York, and he had all these great contacts, and that was Pro Football News and Injury Report. And that was basically it, along with reading Roto World blurbs. That was where I got my, my fantasy information for the for the most part. And that was, um, they were brought together. So I'll ask John around what year it was, but um, Fantasy Guru bought out uh, Pro Football News and Injury Report. So we're waiting on John, and we're going to discuss his history in fantasy football, um, a little bit about him being the guru, his site, and I will be doing a <clears throat> an interview with him. Um, so we'll 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 let him uh, you know call in when he has the chance. Uh, he did alert me that he might be a few minutes late. So up oh, here we go. John, are you there? I am here, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I was just given a little bit of my history in fantasy, how I started in 99, and then in 2000 I joined the Guru Report, which is still in my head how I think of your uh, what you do, um, and, and how the other site that I spent a lot of time on back in those days was Pro Football News and Injury Report. Back then there was no Twitter, and that was a great way to get um, – you know, that those Sunday morning inactives. And then you made it um, a lot easier. At some point you bought Pro Football News and Injury Report, didn't you? Yes, I did. That was a company owned by Steve Cohen, Jay Glazer, and Adam Kaplan. Yes. I didn't, know Jay, their, yeah, I didn't know about the, Jay, but I knew saw. Steve. Yeah, so the, all those guys did it kind of as a side venture and, Steve was senior vice president of sport, serious Jay Glazer's Jay Glazer, Adam Kaplan, uh, now Mr. ESPN. So they all had their their uh, their separate things going on, big time stuff. So uh, they didn't kind of want to do it anymore. So I kind of bought him out, and uh, and Adam worked for me for for a number of years. And now you know, of course, he's Mr. ESPN now. But uh, so that's uh, a brief a brief part of it. But yeah, a lot of stuff has gone on in the last twenty years or so. Absolutely. You know, I, it was so such a small industry at the time when, uh, you know, back then, Pro Football News and Injury Report, you could call in and give them your credit card number on the phone because there still yeah. was kind of yeah. this whole thing about. And I would talk to Adam every year for about 20 minutes. You know, he was always very gracious. And uh, it was just such a, you know, you guys helped me win a lot of championships. So why don't you just uh, take that everyone. That was hardcore. That was hardcore back then. We all know now with Twitter and everything, information flies around. But as you alluded to there, we're talking 96, 97. You couldn't even get practice reports on a Saturday morning from the papers on the World Wide Web. You, you couldn't even get definitive and, and you know, comprehensive in, in, uh, information back then. So the, the – Footballinjuries.com was massive, and that's why, you know, I aligned myself with those guys in 96. When I saw what they had, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, I'm getting practice updates 
Thursday night at 9 o'clock at night, nobody else in the world, uh, you know, really outside the local TV market maybe knows what the hell, uh, you know, Keyshawn Johnson did in practice today. But, but here it is right in, in front of my computer. So, yeah, a big shout-out to, to Cohen, uh, Kaplan, and, and Glazer with footballinjuries.com. Yeah, I grew up in uh, New Jersey, and um, I was a big listener to the WFAN back then. And, you know, Steve was, you know, aligned with WFAN, and he was on the radio a lot with Mike Francesa doing the very same thing. I never knew Jay Glazer was involved, which makes a lot of sense on how much great information and kind of – I mean, I felt like it was cheating back in the day when I, when I you know, worked cheating. with you. Yep. Absolutely. It was. Now, I'll give you a good Jake Laser story. Sure. I forget the year. I, I guess it was. I guess it was '03. And Jake Laser, his big deal is he's got great relationships, as as everyone probably knows. But from when he worked for the, I believe it was the New York Post, he became friends with John Fox, who was the defensive coordinator for the Giants. So he became pretty good friends with him. So he he sent out. I guess he sent notice. Hey, I'm at I'm at Fox's house, and boy, th- he's really talking up this this young kid he's got, who's going to be a kick returner for him. But they love him, and they think he's special. So we got wind of that. Obviously, we told all FantasyGuru.com subscribers, hey, you may want to draft this kid, Steve Smith. He's pretty good. So I mean, that was before <laughs> anyone knew anything about Steve Smith making an impact in the NFL. So, yeah, it was, that's all, it's well, all uh, great stuff. And I had him, again, probably off of that blurb. I mean, I've always had a ton of Steve Smith um, back from, you know, the beginning. And I also remember Chris Chambers hearing about him with, from one of your reports that he was lighting up the Miami Dolphins camp. And, again, it was a different world. But tell us a little bit how you started the site and one of the things I know you're very proud of is um, I just sent you my money, twenty nine ninety five, and it's the same price that you charged way back when, and I know that that's something that you guys are pretty proud of, and just the tremendous amount of information that you give for that. Uh, but why don't you give us a little bit of a history, but I recommend anyone who's not already following John on Twitter to do so. so. It's fantasy underscore guru, and his uh, fantasy guru website has an enormous amount of great information. It's well worth your money. Go ahead, John. And, and by the way, we're, we're rolling out a brand-new site in about a week to ten days, like literally throwing the entire site away and starting from scratch in which it will be, it may not be as evident as it is to me in the coming weeks and months, but over the next year or so, I think people will realize it will likely represent probably a 200% improvement uh, in the, in the service. So um, I started playing fantasy football in the mid to late eighties. I was always a big sports fan and usually pretty good with making predictions. i you know, when I was a kid, I predicted the Kentucky Derby winner three years in a row. Uh, and, and so I joined it, and I was pretty good at it and all that. And I was working as a disc jockey uh, at a radio station in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And just, you know, young guy, you know, mid-20s, I, I was already a father. 
and you know, I was married uh, with a kid and, and all that. So, so just basically looking to, to grab hold of something that, you know, could potentially propel my, my future. Uh, there was a little local TV station there, and it's a long story, but they went from having almost literally no viewers to being in a couple of million homes. Uh, the FCC passed this rule that they had to carry over-the-air stations. And this guy was doing this TV show, and, you know, long story short, I said, oh, you should have me on. Uh, talk fantasy. I'm I'm a guru, you know, like just just kind of said it right there, you know, just off the top of my head. Um, and long story short, this, we did the show and it became popular. And, um, a little bit of a cult following there it was kind of a Howard Stern meets Wayne's World for sports. And I just had the idea. I was working also in publishing. I just had the idea that I could. I was like, wow, I could I could market myself in this regard. And uh, my first call ever was Isaac Bruce. I, I called him the next Jerry Rice. And, and that worked out. I believe uh, to this day, uh, it's the fourth most receiving yards in the history of the NFL. Uh, and the year before, yeah, I think he had like two touchdowns and like four yards or something. Uh, so got off to a good start there and started up a little newsletter, you know, showed it on the, on, the, on the show, said, hey, if you want more information, here's a little newsletter. You know, we'll mail you snail mail, hard copy, all the preseason picks and all that. And that's pretty much it. So I started that grew up a website, started marketing on the television show, and lo and behold, in 96, I got contacted by ESPN, uh, which is amazing, obviously. And That's got to be the no call con- of a life. That's got to be I mean, the really, call of a life, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like to go on Sports Center. It was this new thing called the World Wide Web and all that. But, yeah, it was absolutely massive. And, and they're like, look, we're looking for content. I was like, I'm your guy. Let's do it. And, you know, did that. And did that work for them for seven years. And ever since then, I've just kind of continued to get myself out there as much as I can to promote the site and just continue to evolve and and take advantage of any opportunities. And that's pretty much where I am today. Yep. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this obviously is, you know, it's kind of like the old men's men's hair club commercial, which being from Jersey, you would know, you know, I'm not only, you know, I'm not only a fan, I'm a member, or I'm not only the owner, I'm a member. Um, you know, Fantasy Guru, again, I, 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 I was back, you know, my first year with you was 2000. You used to run leagues for a few years. And I was in your leagues, and you guys had these really interesting rules. So, I, I, you know, when I read that you were putting up a new website, I thought it would be, you know, I started my podcast in November, and I just thought it would be a lot of fun to have you on. And for you to explain, you know, A, I, you know, what kind of changes are you bringing with the new website? Um, you know, why don't you cover that a little bit? Well, the number one thing is, we have all these ideas to create these tools that are a lot more advanced than what we have. What we have is fine, but you know, it's a little dated. So we went to look into building all these new tools and uh, you know, we quickly learned that the infrastructure doesn't really support much more growth. Uh, and not only that, it's, it, it's, you know, basically it's just a dated site. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on a little bit more about, you know, the players themselves and, and, and all the fantasy picks. So I, I can't really focus all my attention on the website. So we, we realized that we had to make a pretty major upgrade. So that's kind of where it started. So it'll be a better experience for the customers. You know, uh, if you have a problem, you can put it in a trouble ticket. Um, 
more mo- it's a mobile site, so you can you can view the entire site on your phone. So that's a, a big improvement. It'll be cleaner, a lot easier to use. Um, also, we have a, a deal with Stats LLC that we're going to have. I don't think any other site in the fantasy industry is going to have access to the kind of stats that we're going to have and the, the ability to create some insanely awesome tools that may take, you know, another year, but the infrastructure will be in place to really build it up. And, and we, we are going to have some brand new tools this year that are going to be pretty badass. Well, I'm excited to see what they are. I know the world has changed a lot since we started, you know, in fantasy, I, 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 you know, I, I took a couple years where I basically just showed up for drafts and, you know, broke even after having a lot of success through most of the first half of the 2000s. And I came back last year and I noticed all these kids and the DFS and I felt like, in, you know, I'm 53, so I think I'm, a, you know, I got about 10 years on you, maybe more. And no, no, I, I'm, I felt, I'm actually, I'm 47. I'm 47, so I'm, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the hell up there myself. Yeah, so I, you know what I felt like, and I even, I even, my first article that I did for the website I write for was something that alluded to me being the old guy trying to prove that I can kick these kids off my lawn and still be successful. And you know, do you ever feel that way that you know the world's kind of changing, and I'm just very interested to see how fantasy guru will be changing for things like dfs i know you started with some content for that last year and you know i do a lot of these mfl 10s so how has the world changed your perception of it and then of course what are your plans to um bring what you do to those genres yeah good question and and it definitely has changed a lot it's become much more sophisticated uh, a lot more data-driven analytics and all that. I've openly said on the radio and on the web that I was essentially a C-math student. I'm not a numbers guy. And I do agree with you. I think the, the, the industry is changing. It's becoming you, you need to have a high degree of intelligence to, to, to hang at this point. So what I am smart enough about, though, is – I, I understand that, and basically my solution is I'm bringing in young blood and young people. Uh, Joe Dolan just that. turned 30 years old. Yeah, Joe Dolan I, just turned 30 years old. Uh, I hired him right out of college, so he's in year seven right now, seven or eight. Um, so here's a kid who's been there for damn near a decade, and he was in his 20s as of, like, Saturday. So he's a young guy, and we just hired a young uh, chap named Graham Barfield who is outstanding just amazing for his age. The kid's 22 years old. So yeah, that's my I, I, answer. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with Graham, yes. and I'm really excited that you hired him. And I get it because, you know, I'm like you. I'm not a big numbers crunching guy, but I have great respect for them, and I also work a full-time job that's 55 hours a week. So I don't get the time even if I wanted to. So – you have to sometimes find people who can do things that you're not as good at to kind of bring the content that you want to give to, to your subscribers. Absolutely. It's, it's not all about me. Uh, as I wrote when I um, introduced Graham, it's not the site I've been efforting. The first 10 years, 
yeah, it was all about me. I used to say things like, we think this. It was no we. It was me. <laughs> the first 10 years, I, that's the case. But since then, it it's, like the, it's not. It was like the Wizard of Oz. You were the guy behind the curtain making all the lights flash. Right. People thought it was this big operation, and it was just me and my converted garage into an office back then. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not all about me. Uh, we do have a, 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 a little bit of a think tank. In fact, uh, we were going back and forth today uh, about the upgrade, updated projections in terms of where we have Jay Ajayi and Arian Foster. So I'm, I'm not like some sort of a dictator uh, who it's my way or the highway. Uh, there are a couple times where there, there's some disagreement. There was a strong disagreement last year about ranking Big Ben and uh, Drew Brees. The other guys wanted Big Ben higher. And I insisted it was Breeze, and, you know, that worked out well. So if we can kind of narrow down any disagreements and pick the right side of those disagreements through discussion, boy, we're going to be a lot better. So hopefully that's, that's where we're going. Well, and, and, and the, best, the most important thing is, and I always say this, is at the end of the day, people shouldn't, you know, if, if – Things have gotten so sophisticated. If you're playing daily fantasy or some of the bigger leagues online and you're going to 100% trust any service, you're in the wrong business. You have to take what other people say and consider it. And my big lesson after coming back last year was the numbers are great, everything's great, but I sometimes allowed myself to be pushed by other people's opinions too much off of my gut and my gut was still pretty good. So I think well, I that, agree. you know, I think you have to have that great information. And I'm, it's just amazing that you do have that think tank. But at the end of the day, you have to click that button when you draft someone. And that's the guy you're going to have to live with. And one of my sayings that I always say about fantasy football is, you know, I've lost picking guys that I really like but I've never won when I had a team of guys I wasn't feeling that good about. You know, I've never right. won a league when I walked out of a draft thinking, boy, I really didn't do very good. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I also to think, see. too, to, Go ahead. in that vein, I just wanted to throw one other thing out there. I mean, some people may look at who I follow on Twitter, and it's an interesting industry. Everyone kind of chats back and forth and all that. I'm not antisocial all the people in the business know me and, uh, or at least who do know me know, you know, I'm a pretty nice guy. I just don't get involved. I don't read other people never have because well, actually never, I have done it very minimally because every time my opinion is swayed by reading someone else, it's wrong. And I should have stuck with my gut. So about 10 years ago, so that's it. I'm never reading anybody else. I'm, I'm going to come to my own conclusions and let the chips fall where they may. So, you know, I, I wanted to crowbar, crowbar that in there because I do think that this industry, one of the biggest problems with this business is there's a, a group think that, that kind of takes over in some regard. I think a lot of it is from people who cover multiple sports because if you're covering, and no offense, no offense to anyone out there, but – if you're covering multiple sports, especially if you're doing like baseball and maybe one other plus football, you are not an expert. It's literally impossible. So I just want to throw that in there. It's an interesting um, 
dynamic. I'm glad you did. I mean, you know, it's one of the nice things about doing a smaller, newer podcast. You can talk about whatever you want, and only so many people will hear it. Um, But the, um, you know, I feel the same way. And, you know, I like hearing other people's opinion, but I'm much more dogmatic this year about I'm not going to let someone, you know, like the other day I had on a guy, um, Jason Rock Phelps, and, you know, I've been just scooping up tons of shares in MFL 10s of Philip Dorsett late and uh, uh, Funches and really happy about those shares. And he mentioned Robert Woods and how Harvin's gone and Watkins has been injured and Hogan's gone. And, he, you know, he, he's so cheap. And, I, and you know what? I said he's right. You know, my gut said he was right. So I don't mind listening to him about that. Right. But it's, it's when, like right now, I'm seeing Arian Foster and D'Angelo Williams starting to go in rounds that I'm completely uncomfortable about. And Josh Gordon is the same way. And I'm wondering if you feel the same way. It makes me like Corey Coleman and Jay Ajayi and and not Le'Veon Bell, obviously. Um, But it makes me like those guys more because now their ADP is going to drop. But I'm not so sure that Arian Foster and Josh Gordon can be counted on for strong production. Well, Arian Foster was dead to me before the first padded practice of the 2015 campaign. And I said as much repeatedly on serious NFL radio or, or fantasy sports radio, then he got hurt in the first padded practice. And it, it really, this all speaks like Josh Gordon. This all speaks to a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. I think that people are lazy and they're trying to be slick by scooping up Josh Gordon left and right. Cause he's suspended and he, is going to fall in drafts and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, he's going to miss some time. You know, as I said on the radio quite a bit in early 2015, 2014, I said, you know what? Screw Josh Gordon. I'm, I'm not delving into this and I'm going to win without Josh Gordon. In fact, I'm going to find the next damn Josh Gordon. And my suggestion, by the way, was Odell Beckham, who nice. went undrafted in many leagues that year because of the hamstring injury, which is the injury. Absolutely. Right. Right. So that, that it's another little pet peeve of mine. And at some point, I like the group just got to wave the white flag and say, this is what he is. Josh Gordon is a disaster. And Arian Foster is it's over. He's never going to, he's never going to have another big season. Um, And people drafting him. Hey, good luck. My thing is if it, if it works out, you got lucky. I'm not. I don't want to win by being lucky. I agree. And one guy, you talk about that group think, and I thought the guy, and I, you know, I don't want to cast dispersions upon anyone, but the guy who made the big A Rob um, is the big guy who's going to step up. He named Tyler Lockett as his A Rob of this year. And I just don't see it. I mean, the guys being drafted now in the fifth round, the group think the other one is Kobe Fleener. I like Kobe Fleener, but not in the beginning no, that one of the sixth round. That but one not in the, be- in the beginning of the sixth when you can get Barnage or Ladarius Green or some of these other guys in the ninth. I love Fleener. But my now, point that is one I'm going to sign off on. Okay. Because, look, that, that's, a unique, that's a unique circumstance, though. You're talking about – 
a Hall of Fame quarterback who's been a top five producer 10 consecutive years. And they just lost the veteran Watson, of course, and Jimmy Graham long gone. Plus, and, they made, and he made Watson relevant, which if he could make Watson relevant. Yeah. So the Tyler Lockett thing, I would lean to you. The kid is pretty special, and the data is outstanding, the, the yards per target and, and all that. But let's not forget, it's, it's the Seahawks. They're, they're still going to run the ball more than most teams and pass it fewer times than most teams. I was at the Combine standing five feet from Pete Carroll when he was asked about how they opened up the offense last year, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We did not open up a damn thing. We ran our offense. We just happened to run it more effectively. So the question is for this year, maybe Russell Wilson's attempts inch up because they are trending up, but, boy, it's an inch. Uh, The question is, can they possibly continue that ballistic run in the second half? I would argue no. It's impossible. And if so, then those going all in on Tyler Lockett are going to be disappointed. I mean, the final numbers will probably look good, but on a week-to-week basis, you know, I think he's going to be a little hit or miss. That that triumvirate uh, wide receiver, you know, they're, they're not going to go away. I mean, it's going to be the three amigos again, and there's only so much production to go around. Well, and that gets to my point. I like Tyler Lockett as a player. I don't like him in the fifth round when I can get Stephen Baldwin in the fourth. He had 47 catches in the second half last year. I do expect regression on the touchdowns, but he seemed to really find something special with Russell Wilson. And my history in football and my gut says once a quarterback and a wide receiver kind of get to that next level, they kind of stay there. So if I'm drafting the Seahawk, I'm taking Baldwin in the fourth instead of Lockett in the fifth. Yeah, I'm not huge on Baldwin in the fourth, but I, I will say this. I think, to your point, it will continue. However, I think we'll see the touchdown total come crashing back to earth. So, yeah, I don't have my projection, projections in front of me, but it's over 1,000 yards. It's 78 catches or whatever it is, and, and it's like seven touchdowns, seven or eight touchdowns. So, that's put me that. For, put me for 85 at about 14 per and about seven touchdowns. So, you know, for the fourth round, again, he had 47 in the second half last year. That would equal 95. I'll go down to 85, but we're in a range. But I get your point. You know, one, uh, uh, let's get to, since we've, you know, we'll, we'll finish up by going over a couple of the key situations that can make or break fantasy this year. And to me, no situation is more fluid than the one in San Francisco. And I, I'm very interested, you know, all of us, you seem to find people who either think Chip is a genius and can do no wrong or that there's no talent there and they're going to be awful. I come in somewhere in the middle, and I'm interested on your thoughts on the team in general and some of the guys that you might be targeting yourself. I'm not targeting anyone. I'm not loving, you know, the, the overall situation. Uh, don't like any of the quarterbacks don't like the offensive line, don't particularly like any of their wide receivers. I am fairly intrigued by Vance McDonald, but he's got a lot of competition, and, and Chip isn't exactly a, a tight end friendly guy. I mean, the real to me, it, it all comes down to what do you do with Carlos Hyde and how into Carlos Hyde are you. I think he's got the talent to be a major difference maker. 
Uh, met him at the combine. Liked liked the way he carries himself. A hard hard nosed football player. But the dude's never never done it. He's never proven that he can play in the NFL at a at a high level for a long period of time. So that's a big question mark in my mind. And most likely, I'm going to pass on on Carlos Hyde. So. I'm with you on Chip. It's kind of middle of the road. I think there are some things about his offense that, that are appealing for fantasy. Um, it's it's annoying, I'll say this, to cover them because they just they don't change their offense based on their opponent at all. They just do what they do, and it's kind of annoying because as an analyst, you can kind of have success predicting how things are going to go based on opponent, not, not with Chip. And I've confirmed this with multiple players. In fact, uh, Jordan Matthews confirmed it to me in an interview in person last month. Uh, they just do what they did. Uh, so it doesn't matter what the matchup is. They're just going to run their plays and, and all that. So bottom he, he line. He is stubborn. That's one of my yeah. takeaways about him. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, whether he has a short run there a la kind of a Billy Martin who goes to a new place in baseball and, and always gets a, a short bump or not, I think the end result is people are like, well, what has Chip learned? My guess is probably not too much. Well, I can tell you this. When he got fired, it was a bombshell. He wasn't expecting it. He happened to buy a house in my hometown in New Jersey, and he closed in November. He got canned five weeks later, so he's not real good with the planning. I'll tell you that right now. Another situation that's very interesting to me is the Cincinnati Bengals. They lose Hugh Jackson. Um, they, you know, they, they lost both their second and third wide receivers, and they've got two running backs. And, and again, with the group think, everyone I thought was too high on Jeremy Hill last year, and now I'm seeing him in seventh round in, in, in drafts. Um, what are your thoughts on the Bengals, the running situation? Do you expect Andy Dalton to turn back into, excuse the pun, a pumpkin? Or do you think that they're going to continue to be a viable offense? Biggest thing here is uh, the loss of Hugh Jackson, who is an outstanding play caller. And I felt watching the Bengals that they were ahead of the defenses for much of the season, let's say the first half at least, especially with Tyler Eifert being such a beast down the middle and in the red zone. So you've got Sam Peasy and we don't know how he'll do calling the plays. And of course the loss of Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu. Uh, we like the kid uh, Boyd out of Pittsburgh quite a bit for an unflashy type of a player, but you know, Brand LaFell came up microscopically small last year. Tyler Eifert looks like he may be okay for week one, but we have a long way to go there. So ultimately I think this time last year, if you talk with Bengal beat writers and insiders, which I did, they thought that Jeremy Hill was going to remain the foundation of their offense. Didn't happen. They, they came out and thrown all over the field and, and lightened it up. And, and Hill had a bad year. He, he did not bring it. He did not look nearly as good as he looked the year before. But I think that based on everything I said, they're going to go back to leaning heavily on the run and those two guys. So I do like Jeremy Hill quite a bit. And uh, certainly yeah, uh, A.J. Green is, is looking real good. Yeah, he, A.J. Green's in my top five um, because I've been going wide receiver heavy in the top because the the running backs, you know, every, again, the group think the wide, you know, I was going to go back running back heavy this year in a lot of my leagues because I just didn't think the type of injuries were repeatable. 
but now I'm seeing so many people off running backs that you can get such good deals late that it does make sense to, at least to me, to get wide receivers early. Um, Miami, one of the, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Adam Gase guy. I'm picking up Jordan Cameron shares late and where I'm getting him if, you know, I feel like the injury risk is built in. They throw the ball a ton in the red zone. Uh, thoughts on the offense and especially about Devontae Parker. He's one of those guys who I think his range is anywhere, you know, at the end of the year from being a wide receiver one to, you know, being behind two or three guys on that team. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Well, first and foremost, as you likely know, I was dead wrong on Tannehill last year. Now, granted, part of the reason I liked him is he was a young player who was getting better on the stat sheet and and on tape in each of his first three years. Every time I see a young talent who's durable, who's in an offense that seems to be able to support production, who gets better and better, I'm in on that. So that didn't work out. But – and so – takeaway is that he is a flawed quarterback but I, I'm an Adam Gase supporter as well and I, I would look at this year compared to the situation last year and, and boy it's, it's a world of difference so you're not going to have the office coordinator fired, you're not going to have the head coach fired, you're not going to have your all pro left tackle coming off a serious knee injury and a shadow of himself and you will in fact have Laramie Tunsil up front so the offensive line is going to be a lot better Adam Gase is a good play caller and schemer and designer. Uh, I agree on Cameron. I at least should be on the radar. Uh, we love Jarvis Landry. As you likely know, I loved him last year, big time. Um, the running game is in question, but I think they'll have a nice level of success throwing the football in this offense with Tannehill. Parker is really the X factor. I think if he fully breaks out, then, then we're good to go. Uh, but his tape was mixed at Louisville. I interviewed him personally at the combine. It was the worst interview I've ever done. He, he is soft-spoken, looks at the ground while he's talking to you, do, doesn't exude any confidence whatsoever, and his tape is mixed. There are times where you're like, hey, you know what, this guy's a little soft. However, there are also times where he flashes big time. So to summarize, I am more worried about missing out on a breakout from him as basically they're all Sean Jeffrey than I am his mixed tape and and some durability issues bite me in the ass. So I'm going to support Parker. You know, I don't have a ton of Parker. I owned a tremendous amount of Tannehill last year, and I own a good bit this year. I think, you know, where you get him in the 14th, 15th round in MFL 10s as a second quarterback, I still think with Adam Gase, he's got the – you know, it wouldn't shock me if he was the 13th best scoring fantasy quarterback this year. Totally. At at that range, I'm drafting. You know, I, I really like him. Um, looking at your ratings right now, he's ranked 19th. Um, and, you know, I think that whole range of 15 to 24 could really, you know, they, all those guys could go up or down. Um, but you got to put them somewhere, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I like Tannehill. I agree with your statements on that. Um, and it's funny. Devontae Parker was a guy I didn't, you know, I watched the combine. I, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't on him last year. I had none of him. And I've taken a little bit this year because a lot of the smart guys really love him. He should have that breakout. 
but you yeah. just kind of reminded me of why I was off him. So thank you for doing yeah, that. I, and we'll finish. I, I, we'll I finish up. We can wrap it up. We can wrap it up with this. I wouldn't go all in on Parker. Um, if yeah, he slips no. to the seventh, or and or if I'm kind of in needed wide receiver, fine. I'm going to support a, a breakout. I'm not all in on Parker, though. I will tell you that. I would just like – I had one more, and you can make it a 30-second answer, and then I'll get you out of here. The Dallas Cowboys right now are supporting two first-round picks in most drafts uh, with a quarterback coming you know, coming off of a lot of serious injury, Dez with the foot, Elliott being a rookie. I know the offensive line's great, but what are your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys? And we'll finish up with that. Well, I think you just – to, to get a snapshot of, of what they want to do, look no further than 2014. And in that season, DeMarco Murray was an absolute fantasy savior. Des Bryant scored 16 touchdowns. And Tony Romo had 34 touchdown passes on like 435 attempts. So they're going to look to do exactly that. So I do think that Ezekiel Elliott should be in the top 10 or 12. And I still think Des Bryant is an elite performer who should be in the top 12 as well. Other than that, and of course, Romo, who's very difficult to, to project. Other than that, I'm not real interested in anyone because, you know, I called, it, I called for Jason Witten to, call, to catch 80 balls last year. He had 77 in a disastrous season. Why, would I, why, why was, did I say that? Well, because Murray left. It was obvious. If, if Romo didn't get hurt, Witten would have caught 96 balls last year. Uh, but this year, yep. again, you go back to 2014, he was in the 60. I think he had like 67. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not that big on Witten. Terrence Williams is a, is a disappointment. You know, you, know, you want to talk Cole Beasley in a 16-team PPR, fine. Uh, but that's it. And the backup running back situation is a little annoying right now with, you know, Alfred Morris being the first and second down handcuff, if you will, and Darren McFadden or maybe even Lance Dunbar being the, the pass-catching handcuff. So, other than Zeke and Dez and, and a little Romo action in there, that's about it for Dallas as far as I'm concerned. Well, John, I thank you very much. You can find John's wonderful website at fantasyguru.com, and you can find him on Twitter and on Sirius. Um, John, thank you for doing the, the show. I really appreciate it. Um, you have a really great night. You too, sir. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that'll do it. Um, but he's the guru. I'm not. And I thank him very much for coming on my podcast. It was very nice of him to do so. And uh, we'll, as we always tend to do, we will leave you with a song. Um, I think we're going to let it ride because uh, a lot of our fantasy choices are going to need to ride. And we're getting to that part of the season where everyone has an opinion, but pretty soon we're going to find out who's right. Have a nice night, everyone. Thanks for joining me.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.